Your cellular health is so powerful. If your cells are working better, your whole body is working better. I find patients really come in thinking, oh, it's my hormones and I've got to do the hormones and I've got to rebalance that. But if your cells aren't working well, the hormone therapy is not going to work as well either. So going at that cellular aspect is important. Welcome to the Wild and Well Collective Podcast, where we believe empowered health is your superpower. We have combined our expertise in medicine and nutrition to bring you the latest research, expert insights, and success stories of people on a mission to live a big life. So buckle up and get ready to learn how to live wildly well. Hello, everyone. I am so excited about today's conversation. Today we have Dr. Tara Campbell. She is a naturopathic doctor in Canada. She's amazing. She's the founder of Higher Health Center and a powerhouse in the realm of naturopathic medicine. She's the author of The IV Solution, Reclaim Your Wellness with Micronutrients. And today we're going to be talking to her all about micronutrients in the form of minerals. We're going to be talking about hormone balancing. We're going to be talking about ways to really nourish your mitochondria, the powerhouses within your cells so that you can prevent or heal from burnout. Tara is a wealth of information, and I cannot wait for you to hear all that she has to talk about today. Let's get started. Okay, so we have with us Tara, and I want you to introduce your magnificent self. Tell us a little bit about how you got started and how you chose to go the naturopathic route. Well, I think all of us health practitioners, we have a story and something that led us to the holistic health world and looking for something more. I'm getting goosebumps when I say that. And for me, it was really a journey of anxiety and depression, actually, where I really fought the conventional medical model. But it was it, it was at a time where I don't think holistic health was as appreciated as appreciated as much as it is now. And so I didn't really have resources available to me, but I had this inner belief that there has to be something more and there, you know, situational life circumstances. But also I appreciated the biochemical physiology aspect, but the only option for me at the time when I was in high school or university was uh, pharmaceuticals. And so that to me was scary. That's a brain chemical I'm putting into my body. There's no test for it. That was really disappointing to me within the conventional model that, okay, how can I go from hero to zero and feel so horrible and disconnected? And the only thing that's going to make it better is a chemical, but yet they don't really know what's going on. So, and now I understand it a little bit further that there is, you know, if you flood your serotonin receptors and the neurosynapses, then that does rebalance the others. But I do think it would be good to know if someone's more deficient in GABA or more deficient in serotonin, or is it their dopamine, or is it a mix of all, which for me that was. And certainly hormones come into play as well when we get depleted or burnt out. We're depleting both hormones and neurotransmitters and nutrients. And so holistic health, naturopathic medicine for me, actually my further background while going through this process and going through school, I was a personal trainer. And I just found my clients were the moms or the grandmas that where I was into the intimidating, robust, muscular personal trainer, not to stereotype, but they could identify with me and then feel safe with me, but and comfortable. And but also they started asking me all kinds of questions that I really didn't have answers to. And so I was a therapist. I was 
all these things that I wasn't qualified to do. And yet here I was counting reps and thinking, God, I want to do more or be able to educate and be educated myself on a deeper level level for wellness. So enter naturopathic medicine, serendipitous path, many times over, plunking me on the path, grateful that I could listen to that and be where I am today. I love that. One thing that there's so much to love about you, but as we got to know each other and kind of learn a little bit about our practices, we have this joint love for really helping our patients get back to productivity and energy. And during this conversation, I know we're going to chat a lot about energy, but I wanted to talk about a hormone that isn't talked about a lot. And that is the nighttime miracle worker of melatonin and high achievers. You know, we really, when we're talking about hormones and we're talking about energy, you know, this hormone often doesn't come into the discussion. And so I wondered if we could kind of start our conversation out on this hormone. The power antioxidant circadian rhythm regulator. I love melatonin. I would name a child Nellie. And I just really, I know there's some controversy about melatonin from some very advanced practitioners. And I really am on the, the side of pro melatonin. And I don't think by taking melatonin, you block your own production of it. I think the dosing we're looking at, which can range, I do high dosing to just everyday dosing. I really think our body needs a reminder of circadian rhythm regulation. And melatonin is that. And it's also such an amazing antioxidant, even through the pandemic and COVID, we're allowed to say that word. I, a lot of research was showing how that melatonin was part of the treatment. So I think that's really interesting. And on a side, total tangent to melatonin, um, it's great for skin health and melasma. So I remember I had this brown spot on my face that I could see it getting darker and darker in pictures. And then through the pandemic, I was really dosing melatonin for immune health. I was doing the master protocol and the brown spot went away. So I think that's incredible and antioxidant power again to melatonin. What kind of dosing are you talking about? Because, you know, endogenously in our body, we're really not making that much. So I'm just curious how, what kind of dosing do you recommend? And are is it different given what well, you're aiming? So a standard dosing in my protocols would be one milligram to five. I typically write three to five milligrams, but I really like this one sublingual form of melatonin, which is, I say three to five sprays before bed and I keep it by my bedside and that it's really half a milligram. Is it microgram? Oh my God. Milligram. Pretty sure milligram. Yeah. They're half a milligram per spray. So if I'm saying three to five sprays, you're really getting one to two milligrams. What about for people waking up in the middle of the night? Because I, I love the spray because you have the control over, you know, the sprays. I feel so that's like, like well after. Yeah. I'm curious what your take is on that because I've recommended some, you know, women who wake up at two in the morning consistently to spray one. Do you find that most people wake up refreshed or is that too late in the in the night to take it? Yeah. I find my partner, for example, I say, don't take melatonin. He becomes a bear. He gets so foggy in the morning, so suppressed. Like, and so that just makes him feel irritable because he feels stuck. And I think before we hopped on the the actual recording, we were talking about genetic testing. And I think methylation and different aspects come into play here. So perhaps for him, that's why he's having that symptom. But I I found I have a four-year-old daughter and in the early stages, like two years of age, three, when she was frequently waking in the night, if I didn't take melatonin before bed, and then of course I'm going to wake anyway for her, 
I would have a harder time falling back to sleep when I didn't take it. So I, it is typically known that it helps you fall asleep, not necessarily to stay asleep, but it was working for me in that way. Of it helped me fall back to sleep more easily. Mm-hmm. Have you found yeah. that? It's higher. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I was, but then I, hey, I've gone down the rabbit hole. So I'm so glad. I don't know what made you hone in on melatonin with me and if you've seen me talk about it because I need I want to talk about it more and I have in the past but anyway I was doing melatonin suppository so I forget the doctor's name he's in Florida Matt or I can't remember but he was talking about melatonin suppository and I was dosing for some people 100 to 200 milligrams rectally wow yeah for certain not ongoing but as a circadian rhythm regulator oh wow reset the body so that's Thing. That yeah. is, that's a lot. That's a high dose. I know. And also, <laughs> it's a little bit of a learning curve for people to do something rectally, right? I think it, once you get it, but you gotta you gotta do the you gotta do it first to really be comfortable with that. But so why such a high dose in that route versus sublingually in the mouth? So the research at that time now it's been a while, and we all get in our rhythms and paths and. We prescribe certain things and trends and themes, and I was really into it for a bit, but I don't know. I haven't done it as much. I haven't done it in a while, but I remember it was more to refresh, reset the body. And and, and then I just loved the antioxidant power of it. Yeah, but typically I would do the oral dosing, and we have an oncology focus at our office, and so we're dosing about 10 milligrams, 10 to 20 milligrams for those cases, and the research really supports that. But in general, I think three to five milligrams is a good dose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you're using it with cancer patients. You're using it as a skin anti-aging and just overall people can go attack immunity. Yeah. Fascinating. I love that. I know we could do a whole podcast on melatonin. I'm glad that we, t- because it's a hormone that we just don't dive into as often as sex hormones or insulin or cortisol. Right. And, and no, so I think that yeah, we really should. There's a lot of components. And us to high achieving women always have to go, 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 go. You yes. are, you just can easily throw your body out of rhythm. And so I really like to educate on that power melatonin has to regulate our rhythm. And you can also increase your production of it by light exposure first thing in the morning, which is so important. And people just don't see the light as much as they should. And I think that that is a really powerful, before you even take melatonin, you have to step out into the sunlight in the, in the morning. Yeah. I love it. It's such a powerful regulator. I've only just started taking the melatonin when COVID hit. So it's really interesting that you brought that up, like the immune protocol. And I'm like your husband, where if I take it too late or like if I take too much of it, I will wake up super groggy. So I'm interested yeah. from like genetic perspective as to what, what's causing that but I've noticed a huge difference I don't take it every night but it's it's amazing especially if you just need that little bit of something to knock you out if you've passed that what I like to call like that sleep train window though yeah you're like yeah. I really need to go to sleep I stayed up a little bit late because I'm doing something that needs to be done as we all have so yes well and you're skinny beautiful <laughs> just one second <laughs> before and after melatonin shot yeah and Try the suppositories. Yeah, maybe I will. <laughs> but I know I know a huge part of what you do, just to change course a little bit in terms of your practice, which is 
an area I'm super excited to chat on because it's actually not hugely focused on, especially in New Zealand. I know it's really getting, getting a lot of traction in the States and in Canada, but you do a lot of IV therapy to replace minerals. Now, can you touch a little bit on like what that even does for our body, why we would even replace the minerals if you do any mineral testing, the points of that? Like, I think it's something that, again, we, we go down the supplement route really quickly. And so if we could talk a little bit to the benefits of it, too, I'm, I'm super intrigued with this. Yeah, I actually call it micronutrient replenishment. And there's no melatonin in the IV, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but micronutrient replenishment. So the minerals are a small component of the treatment. I would say it's more focused on vitamin C. And that's the main player that the higher amount of milliliters we put in. So comparatively, you might put 10 to 20 milliliters of vitamin C. But but mineral-wise, we're putting four milliliters of magnesium standardly, maybe more for certain conditions. And the minerals, the multi-trace minerals, is one milliliter. So it's really minimal to the other ingredients, but that's also how we dose anyway. A multivitamin is low dose generalized. So, But I look at the idea as micronutrient replenishment. And it's not replacing, it's replenishing. And we are trillions of cells in our body all we are globs of cells and all put together very nicely and miraculously actually but we are using our nutrients every second and so we need to keep replenishing then we're also living in a modern world where we're up against a lot of things in our environment so a lot of oxidative stress and you our bodies are smart and they're able to process but if you bombard it too much it's gonna get sluggish right so we're aging faster in our modern world and i think we need to really focus on this replenishment for not just energy and i find low energy to be kind of a wah wah like do do I focus on low energy well it's just so much more all-encompassing when you talk about energy I think we're with micronutrients we're tapping into vitality we we want to support your body to feel its best and so uh, it's micronutrient replenishment another key aspect is the hydration I think we're very dehydrated as a culture and Specifically to vitamin C deficiency, we don't have scurvy in our day and age, but I think that so many people can be deficient in vitamin C. What would that look like? Like if you're about, because I know a lot of people think, oh, I just need to take it when my immune system's low or it's not really an everyday need. And I also know that once it's picked from the food supply, it loses about 80%. Like if you're actually trying to get it through food, of its nutrients within four days. So actually getting your vitamin C content is probably quite hard for people, but what do people look for if they are deficient or depleted? I mean, skin health would be something if you notice dry skin or more than that, vessels, like you, not just your external skin, but your capillaries. And, and so a lot of breakage in your capillaries or not arteries or veins, so mostly the capillaries. But I, yeah, those would be key things. Adrenals, like a, a lot of adrenal supplement formulas will have vitamin C in it, but hey, you're really not going to reach a therapeutic dose in an adrenal oral supplement. Yeah, those are good. So analogy I often use is it would be really nice to have someone come in and clean your house. <laughs> it's like, right. nobody's going to say they don't want that. But that's like the sweeper, the cleaner, the master, like putting everything away properly or at your work. It's all coming in and everything's like clean and you come in fresh the next day. But you're still going to make your bed, do your dishes, put things away. That's like your daily nutrition and supplementation. So the IV is just, we're able to reach a more therapeutic dose 
direct into our bloodstream. And anytime we're eating or taking supplements or taking medication, the goal is to get that that those nutrients or whatever it is to the bloodstream. So I love that IV goes directly to your bloodstream where you actually need it. And then we teach yourself how to absorb the nutrients further. So a lot of people cellularly talk about circadian rhythm regulation and we've lost connection to nutrient absorption. So we need to retrain ourselves. So it goes deep into science of voltage gates and magnesium and calcium electricity within ourselves. But that's why a lot of the technologies like red light therapy and hemp and all that are really gaining popularity because they're they're supporting cellular health so that you can absorb more. So the IV dose at a certain frequency, like a workout, you can't be fit in one workout. So I typically say an IV starting series would be once per week for four weeks to really train your cells to absorb. But that's also manageable for people four times. It certainly continues on weekly, monthly. It's always a great thing to do. Wow. And then dosing-wise, to answer your question further, orally, if we take vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams, which is a typical dose or yeah. orally, the 1,000 milligrams will go all through your digestive system. And only 200 milligrams of that will actually make it to your bloodstream. You'll pee out 800 milligrams. And so the same is happening. I don't know the exact equation, but the same is happening for anything we take orally. We're absorbing a portion of that, a small portion, into our bloodstream. So with IV, it may sound like it's high dosing. It's high dosing compared to what you can take orally. The benefit of IV is we're going direct into your bloodstream with 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 milligrams of vitamin C, where every cell in your body uses that nutrient. Amazing. Have you guys done an IV? I don't currently, I mean, I've done it as a patient, but I am currently looking at bringing it into my clinic because it's so fascinating how that can really move the needle faster for people. I think in, in, in terms of getting their energy back and getting their health back. Yeah. I'm curious about red light. I do have a red light sauna in my clinic okay. and you were and doing the red light sauna right before like does that help the cell become more receptive to what you're about to give in an iv yeah i would say do the sauna before you do the iv you don't want to do the iv and then do the sauna and sweat so the iv is really great to replenish hydration minerals vitamin c and yeah. um, yeah. so the yeah the light is amazing to do the infrared and the sauna and then follow with the iv mm -hmm. my last question was with cellular health i mean when we talk about the receptivity of a cell one thing that I automatically go to, and this will kind of bring me into my next question that I have with you, like to expand on mitochondrial health, but within the cell, we have a membrane around the cell. And, you know, if if you would check the blood work on most people, the ratio between omega-6 and omega-3 is really skewed. Like there's a lot of omega-6s in processed foods and, and clearly everything that is in a restaurant as well. And that can really membrane, right? So I'm curious if you focus also on that ratio to make sure that the cell actually has a flexible membrane to really receive those nutrients. Is that something you focus on? Well, hey, in an ideal world, I'd love to run the omega score. You're talking about that. Yeah. I have run it. And typically, I think our patient population, one of my top recommendations is omega-3 fish oil. I really think that's great for membrane fluidity. I don't think we get enough omega-3s in our diet. And, and yeah, it's just like a melatonin. There's some neat there. It's probably neat there's for fish oil. But I think the omega score is great to know your ratios. 
maybe more in the state. No, well, maybe there is elevated omega six to three mm-hmm. or so. Yeah, in the population that I see blood work on, typically, yeah. including myself. Let's be real. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Right? You have to test to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you do. So but no, yeah, I mean, that like, you think that the membrane fluidity does impact your ability to absorb. So again, it's like training your cells to absorb. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about inside the cell, the mitochondria, because when we talk about the core foundations really for anything, we have to have energy to think clearly, to have hormone regulation, all of the things, you know, people come in with symptoms, but we know on the cellular level, it really boils down to the mitochondria. So if you could share a little bit, you know, a Tell the listeners a little bit about what the mitochondria does inside the cell. And then also what can listeners do on a day-to-day basis to really help themselves kind of get started with increasing energy by nourishing the mitochondria? Sure. Well, your cellular health is so powerful. If your cells are working better, your whole body is working better. I find patients really come in thinking, oh, it's my hormones and I've got to do the hormones and I've got to rebalance that. But if your cells are working well, the hormone therapy is not going to work as well either. So going at that cellular aspect is important. And you touched on the ATP. So yes, your mitochondria make ATP. We use micronutrients to fuel our mitochondria to make ATP. And so I just, yeah, we and when I was going through school, adrenal fatigue was a big buzzword. And I think now adrenal fatigue is more about mitochondrial deficiency. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, it's interesting where I worked before, you know, four years ago in a practice I was at, we would just we were just giving hormones to everybody. And that's really what drove me to go into functional medicine because here I was giving hormone replacement to 30-year-olds and I'm thinking, wait, why is a 30-year-old needing, needing in quotations, hormone replacement? Right. And really, and they would feel good for a month or two. And then they're right back to square one because their body kind of acclimates to having that higher hormone level in the blood. But we still haven't solved what you mentioned on the cellular level. So what are some things that people are experiencing some fatigue? Where do you start, you know, as a daily routine to kind of help to to nourish that and to heal the cells? How, where do we start? Well, yeah. the first of <laughs> starting. So wherever you start is good. I think a really good starting point is assessment, right? Get your blood work, know your markers. And I can't tell you how many times I just kind of cringe when someone comes in. I, I cringe and I smile. They say, oh yeah, I did my blood work. It's all fine. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, what wasn't tested and what are the optimal ranges? And so really educating people on thyroid being between one and two. And if it's below one, so thyroid stimulating hormone, below one is even better, but not too low, right? And B12 is a common one. If they're 200, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is so low. I'd like to see it up higher. Methylation comes into play. Some people don't do well with methylation nutrients, so B12, B6, those types of nutrients, folate. But I think knowing that is important. So when someone has a negative reaction to B vitamins, we ought to dig deeper to understand their methylation, where conventional medicine may shy away. And now they're like, oh, your B12 is too high. That's terrible. You know, so to see a high number of B12 flagged at 700. I, it's just crazy. And I another marker that I'm constantly educating about is fasting insulin. And then people will say, oh, I've tested my fasting glucose. I've tested it. But educating them, no, fasting insulin is different. And most practitioners are looking at it. They're not trained to look at it. 
And mm-hmm. it's the precursor to hemoglobin A1C and blood sugars going off. And then looking at your inflammatory markers is really important. So ESR and CRP, then I would group fasting insulin as part of those, that inflammatory awareness. And ferritin, particularly men, they're not being screened for ferritin, but if they have inflammation, their ferritin is going to be really high. And then another example would be my mom who's going through rheumatoid arthritis. Her ferritin was 73. So ferritin being the storage of your iron, typically ferritin is tested in women. Her ferritin was 78, which is awesome. Awesome, but her iron was a two. So had I not said, Mom, go back, ask for your iron, it wouldn't have been caught that her iron was two. Mm-hmm. And that a ferritin is showing that because of inflammation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this topic because I think it's so hard when you do get people that come in with their blood work and they're going, Yeah, I'm fine. The doctor saw it. And I also get so much resistance. And this is not bagging on doctors, but the amount of resistance I get when I get someone to go and do some blood work through their doctors, because in New Zealand, it's a lot easier to do that than me trying to send them to the lab, give them the form, all that. So it's also more cost effective to go that way as well, which clients and patients tend to prefer. But they do this. There's really, they look, the doctors are looking at the presence or the absence of disease. And can we give a medication if you're outside of those ranges, which I think the approach that we all take that's very different is hey, are you outside of those optimal health ranges and what nutrients might you be deficient in or what what's really going on at the root cause here to support you back to that optimal health? Because let's face it, majority of people aren't walking around with optimal health, with optimal mitochondria function, with optimal cellular health, like you say. And I work a lot with females in the hormonal space. And so I'm curious if you can talk to a little bit more about that disconnect and why we have to really, really focus on that cellular health when there's a hormonal imbalance because i think there's again still not quite an understanding it's like when people don't get the gut health is going to have a massive impact on your hormones too body is all interlinked but we do always start with the hormones because they're the symptom bringers yeah yeah it's the buzz how do i answer that i don't know how we can teach medical doctors and not we're all there's a place for all of it i don't know how they can come at a greater appreciation for cellular health. I think everybody has a piece to the puzzle and we're more on the proactive wellness nourishment side. And we're able to look a little deeper, whether it's time factors or being an advocate for the patient versus being governed by a regulatory body of this is what you have to do in the visit to treat this and then realizing wait that's not actually getting the patient better so there's a place for both and I remember one patient who works in insurance claims and whatnot he said if you have a problem if you're healthy see your regular medical doctor but if you actually have a problem you need to bring in that holistic side wow so and really Sorry. In terms of like actually educating your patients, though, when they come in and they think it's a hormonal imbalance, how do you kind of take them back to being like, okay, we actually need to start at the cell? Like what what kind of education do you provide or do you communicate to people to really connect the dots? I think it's about our overall look at the body, look at their habits, their lifestyle, their blood work, their family history, just really getting a sense of their bodies. And then knowing or knowing that it's not just about hormones that there's other pieces to the puzzle and that okay if they're not drinking water i had a patient the other day who's having four two espresso shots and four coffees double double and 
go water in the day and she's waking up puffy in the morning. So hydration. So we have our part of our plan is you can't have a coffee until you've had a glass of, we actually made it chlorophyll water because it's visual, it's alkalinizing. It, you, you know, it's not just a, a blank or whatever, plain glass of water, which is readily available. There's actually something in it and there's just more of a psychology around it. So she has to have a glass of that of chlorophyll water before she can have another coffee. And that's easy to do. Hey, you want the coffee? I'm a coffee lover myself, but I'll be able to down a glass of water in order to have my next, to have another coffee. Sure, we can do that. Yeah, that's such a practical thing to do too, because like you say, there's a lot of coffee lovers out there and we are such a dehydrated population. Yeah, and I love the light therapy as a way to tap into cellular health too. Our bodies are electric and the earth is magnetic but people live in condos. People don't walk outside on the beach during the day. Hey, we'd love to. So we're not grounded. We're not connected to that magnetic force in the earth. And so actually something I've set a goal to do for February and just daily now, I just want to, I want to go out and walk in the winter, bare feet for a minute, even on pavement, you can do it and get that magnetic charge up into your body. Mm. A lot of times it is just the little things like that, like hydration. And that is exactly what I've done to have it stack hydration. Because I used to be that person too that didn't drink enough water. And now it's like, yeah, gotta do water before. And then you're, you get the coffee at the end. The reward. And cold plunging has on too for cellular health. Cold exposure, so powerful to ignite your mitochondria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. If you have access to that, even a cold shower, right? Even finishing with a cold shower does kind of stimulate on your face. It does kind of stimulate a little bit of that hormetic stress. There's good, better, best. So start with the shower and then ultimately getting to that point where you can submerge in cold water. The benefits are powerful. It's just like, wow, we are born with a lot of brown fat. So that's metabolically active tissue and you can watch a baby grow and it's amazing that's they're just growing every second so as we grow we're building white fat and at a certain point we have more white fat which is metabolically inactive so cold plunging cold submersion actually stimulates back to the brown fat so it activates your metabolism think of mitochondrial health as your metabolism in a way your energy and i find cold plunging to be so amazing to just to build that brown fat Mm-hmm. Can we talk about glutathione for a minute? That, you know, glutathione was kind of the, we talked about melatonin being a powerful antioxidant. Glutathione is also like, I don't know, it's kind of a neck and neck, like which which material in our body actually drives more of it. Do you actually infuse glutathione directly or do you give precursors or do you recommend things like coffee enemas to stimulate our body to make glutathione? What And I guess if you could back up and kind of explain a little bit more in depth than I just did about what glutathione is and what it offers people who are trying to regain energy. So I also do glutathione suppositories <laughs> and, and, and inhaled glutathione, so nebulized. Our lungs are rich in glutathione, but respiratory infection, whatnot, we deplete our glutathione. Viruses enter through depleted glutathione. So nebulized glutathione, IV glutathione, oral glutathione, and rectal glutathione. All great things. Precursor-wise, I love N-acetylcysteine. I think that's a staple supplement for people. Mm-hmm. So to make sure my power cord. Because of that, um, I know, you know, when patients had decreased renal function, we would have 
to actually give them that to take before they would do IV contrast. And that's because because it builds up that glutathione. It's a precursor to glutathione. Helps protect some of that detoxification pathway of the kidney. And so they would need that. What, sorry? We would, yes, they needed that before they could have IV contrast because we, so clinically, even in the hospitals, we would use this to upregulate that detoxification ability via giving the blocks to glutathione before you could do IV contrast. It's also less expensive NAC than glutathione. So that precursors. So when we talk about genetics too, I've actually done the DNA tests on myself. And basically my genetics show that I would do better with the precursors unless I was having like overt stress, like a big stress in my life then maybe straight glutathione, but my body actually does really, really well with just taking the precursors and putting it together and building glutathione. Do you screen for that or is it safe for people to just take glutathione? And, and what are you finding is the best route for people? I mean, is it a waste of money for people to take, you know, supplements that say they're straight glutathione? I'd be curious what that exact marker was on your genetic testing to know you're better with the precursors. I do look at the organic acid test and that has both N-acetylcysteine and glutathione and methylation. It's not genetic-based. It's a urine test. And I can see there, some people are good with glutathione. Their stores are good, but their NAC is lower. And so that would guide me. But not everybody has this testing like or is able to do the testing. And so it, re- it depends on what you have accessible to you. Like, uh, sorry, this is a also a bit of a tangent. A patient did the oat. And so the organic acid test, and she was very high oxalate, also had some body pain. She's young, fit, active, but not feeling her best. And with the high oxalates and the pain, I was thinking, are you getting a lot of spinach by any chance? And she said, oh, I love spinach. She'll basically boil down a whole container of spinach. And so part of her treatment plan is stop the spinach, stop all oxalate foods, so beet, almonds, the spinach. And I checked in with her recently to say, so how's your pain? And we put her on magnesia and B6, and which are really good to clear oxalates. And she's feeling better. So I wouldn't have known about oxalates for her had I not done that test. So I think great to get your genetic testing, great to get the organic acid and know your pathways. Like the organic acid testing looked at pathways and that people can be blocked in their pathways. And... Yeah, individualized medicine. If someone has a reaction, if they it's like if you took glutathione and you felt sluggish, I might think, oh, you're detoxing, and that's mm-hmm. good. Or we can go to NAC and promote and build you up. So I think individual cases, but glutathione is really three amino acids put together. So it's glycine, glutamate, and oh my gosh, cysteine. Yeah, yeah. So glutamate is not great. But the glycine and the NAC, cysteine, great. And glutathione's a peptide. We love another conversation. (laughs) I want to pick your brains on that. Yeah. (laughs) I love, I love peptides as well. We could talk, we can do another podcast on just peptides that we love. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, no, I I think always, even regardless of glutathione or melatonin, we need to support our antioxidants. So, I actually look at, do I prescribe a lot of minerals? Not really. More so, I go to antioxidants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good to know. And, you know, there has to be a balance between too much. I mean, a little bit of oxidative stress is beneficial. We don't want to wipe the whole thing out, right? So there's a balance in everything. So, and I'm just saying that so that lis- listeners aren't like, let me get every antioxidant that I can. 
respond my body yeah. a little there is a balance and i think that's where personalized medicine and, and really working with somebody who can help guide you you actually need as an individual can be helpful right like don't do 200 milligrams of melatonin every day for a year yeah <laughs> and the thing on the same token we're not doing iv every day right so you do have you're exposed to so many oxidants in your day that i don't think it's possible to overtake oxidants and for that that your antioxidants oral antioxidants become oxidative i think there's always a need to quench oxidants yeah and i think you know like we were talking about people especially high achievers i know tend to swing with that all or nothing or go to the extreme so i'm really pleased that you bought that in like we don't have to be doing these extreme levels of everything all the time to stay on top of our health and well-being and so with the high achievers that are listening a lot of a lot of people come to us for energy for preventing burnout like what would be maybe your top three tips if someone's just looking to really start or really support their bodies preventing the burnout in the first place like what would you suggest okay so blood work for sure get mm-hmm. your markers know your markers that was my beat way back was please aren't you gonna test my brain to know why i'm feeling this way so like let's explore let's there is there's so many options it's just about knowing what they are and which ones are best for you so a lot of people want to do the food sensitivity test but that's not really the best one for you sometimes maybe but there's other things that you can do and so knowing what those options are and don't just accept the line of fine right oh yeah my blood works fine it's good my doctor said it's good so don't accept that and dig deeper so that's number one. Number two, I really think we need to get back into natural rhythm. So light therapy, hydration, grounding, outdoors, fresh air, like really get to nature, get to rhythm. I love the thought of the elements. So earth, wind, water, fire. Mm-hmm. And you can look at that, that earth is your grounding. Wind is breath work, air, rhythmic breathing. We're not breathing properly most times or in a day. Earth, wind, water, that's the hydration. There's so many things to learn about hydration as well. I, I want to learn more about hydrogen water, structured water. Yeah. But the quality of our water is really important. IV, cold plunging, so that would fit under water for me. Cold exposure, hot, cold showers. And fire, the sauna, sun. I guess there's crossovers here, but light. Yeah, hot, cold therapy. So the elements, I think, are really important. And number three, be inspired. Be inspired and excited about your health. So have fun with it. And that's missing in conventional medicine too. And working with someone is really key because you can read things. Great. I want like educate yourself, but have conversations about this, build it into your day. You know, the therapeutic space is powerful. And if you have a plan and you're working with someone and I think about my patients all the time, I'll, I'll someone will pop into my head and I'll reach out to them and I'll say, Hey, how are you doing with this? Or, Oh, so-and-so just had a surgery and wonder how they're doing. And just the, again, just getting goosebumps that I, I just know to reach out to them. How are you doing? And, you know, that is so powerful. So I love my answers there. We've got assessment, the element, and excitement, inspiration, connection, support. I love it. I love it. And people could just run with that, you know, like just really rewind this podcast right now and re-listen to that. (laughs) And so much, so much goodness in those tips. Tara, thank you. You are such a wealth of knowledge and you're beautiful inside and out. And I'm so thankful Uh, you're in. In, in my life. And where can other people connect with you? How can people connect with you to become your patient or otherwise, if you have programs? 
Yeah. So I love having conversations on Instagram. So I'm just really inspired there to put out little nuggets and inspiration and chat and love the comments on Instagram. My handle is Dr. Tara CND. I also very proud professionally and personally to have finished a book that was seven, eight years in the making, which was, oh God, it was painful. More so <laughs> about the time, but I couldn't see it. It's like when you watch a movie, you're you if you're the actor and I would just guess this they don't see the end product the director puts it together so I couldn't see the end product so it's really hard for me to translate my patient visits to the book to all the information I would get so stuck and now that it's finished and I can see it I it's oh and it's nicely packaged and okay there's the printed book and wow okay it's I did it and so that book if you go on Amazon Dr. Tara Campbell IV solution would love for you to read that. I talk about my pillars, I guess, would be mindset and similar to what we talked about here, woven through mindset, movement, micronutrients. I think that's the key to health. So when I said my top three mindset is really that excitement, movement, we've got to get our bodies moving, resistance, the elements, all of that. And then micronutrients, hydration, nutrients, replenish our body. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm sending you guys a book. Make it all the way to New Zealand. Oh my God. And- yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts and it's stories, patient stories. I had two, a patient within the lounge and another, so they were saying, oh, congratulations, it's out, whatnot. And then the one patient said to the other, I'm Jean. So anonymous <laughs> name, but it was real sweet and fun. And uh, yeah, it's our patient stories that are the best. Oh, and you learn yeah. so much from from like case studies and reading client stories and stories is what people remember too. Like it's great to have all the knowledge and all the information there, which I'm sure you've provided, but it's really going to stick with you when you can resonate or understand like, oh gosh, someone else went through this too. And look, there was a solution. There yeah. was a answer. And I think yeah. it's beautiful what you're sharing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think just the patient's comment is, it just says how much of a community that you have built in your practice there and how much people trust you. So definitely reach out to Tara if you're looking for support on a cellular level, on a deep, mm-hmm. deep level. Especially if you're in Canada, she's right there for you. So thanks uh-huh. again, Tara. I'm so excited to Texas and New Zealand. Yes. The world is small. I'm waiting. I'm I'm waiting. I'm bringing IV to New Zealand. My Please partner is so happy. <laughs> Please do. I'll be your first patient. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, ladies. Thanks so much. Thanks for being here. If you love this episode, be sure to leave us a review, download, and subscribe. If you know someone that could also benefit from this conversation, please share. That's how we spread empowered health. We'll see you again for another episode of the Wild and Wild Collective.